Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. How We Talk About is a professional development podcast for educators who are teaching Jewish things in Jewish schools. We're your hosts, Aaron Beezer and Jen Stern-Granowitz, Jewish educators from New York City. Jen, you're an educator and the mother of a four-year-old and a two-year-old. What do your children know about death and dying? They don't know much, I think. It comes up from TV shows they watch. There's a Daniel Tiger episode where it's fish dies. So it's definitely a word and a concept they have heard. Though, to be totally honest, when my husband's grandmother died in November, we just didn't tell them. Like they, ha- they call her Gigi. They hadn't seen Gigi since before COVID. And so it kind of like shows me on their mind. I mean, before that they'd seen her a lot, but it had been a while since they'd seen her. And so we just, haven't mentioned her passing. Like if my four-year-old asked about death or where Gigi is, I would engage her in the conversation, though I also avoid mentioning Gigi in front of my four-year-old. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what I would say. And so if I don't bring it up, she might not bring it up. And then we can sort of continue on this, the path that we're on. Um, And I think part of it, to be honest, is that I have a lot of questions myself about death and dying. And so like I said, I would answer her questions, but I'm not 100% sure, what, 100% sure what I would say. So as of now, we haven't had any big conversations about death and dying. That is interesting and very different from our house, where I also have a four-year-old, and we talk a lot about death. Me is older. How old are you? Four. Maybe it's because... My husband is a rabbi, and he's always running off to do funerals or shiva or to go to the hospital to visit someone who is sick. Uh-huh. What happens when you die? You turn into a bone, and then you, you, you turn into a weight, and then you explode. Really? And like a night. And what about your soul? Your soul? Go back to Hashem. We've just always normalized the way we talk about death and dying in our house. And it sounds like our approaches are pretty different. Where do you go when you die? Into atmosphere. Into the atmosphere? And I guess the question here, with everything going on in the world right now, COVID, very scary news cycles, mass shootings, things like that, and also just the reality of of the Jewish life cycle These rituals we have through birth, through death, right? Like this is a part of the Jewish life cycle. We're wondering what is the best approach to talk about death and dying with kids if you're going to do it at all? So I can tell you about our approach at PAS in our congregational school. We definitely follow the children's questions. So for example, if there is unfortunately a tragic event in the news, we advise our teachers not to bring it up themselves, but to answer questions and feel concerns if they're brought up by their learners. So Mostly we take this approach because we are a supplemental educational program, right? And we don't have the benefit of the continuity of meeting every day. And so it would have to wait a whole week to come back to a conversation that was started one afternoon. 
And sometimes I worry that having a conversation like this raised out of context could do more harm than good. So it seems best for us in our setting to lead these conversations for home or ongoing school, or like I said, if it's brought up by a student. We do offer, often share resources with parents, either via email or we offer parenting sessions. So you know, we can be a resource on specific topics, but trying to give those resources over at home as opposed to in the classroom. I feel like at JCP, we typically take the opposite approach. And mostly because I feel like when we name these really hard and scary things that are happening in the world around us, it helps us see the Jewish parts of ourselves in the rest of the world and the rest of the world in the Jewish parts of ourselves. So those two things can feel more integrated. And I worry that if we ignore the world part, we make it seem like the Jewish part is just way out of sync and out of touch with the way that our learners are living their regular everyday lives. So these questions of, do we bring it up? How do we bring it up? What do we say when they bring it up, right? If we're following the lead of our learners, what do we say when, how do we respond? Not an easy topic, no one singular answer, which is why we have an expert guest to bring on today to help us talk about what educators and parents or any adult really should know about Jewish views on death and dying and some helpful and clear ways to communicate those views. And we have with us Rabbi Melanie Lavav, Executive Director of the Shomer Collective, a new Jewish organization focused on improving end of life experiences. What does Judaism say about death? And I have Judaism in quotes that our listeners can't see because on the show we've already talked about when we say Judaism, we mean many Jewish people over generations that have unfolded and sort of collected these different opinions. But I'm curious if you could share with us, maybe in some broad strokes, what does Judaism say about death? And what do you think Jews should know about death and dying? So I think the most important thing that Jews, but really everyone should know about death and dying is that we're all mortal. I know you already know that, but really how well do you understand or even internalize that? Jewish education offers us the opportunity to speak about death early and often at age appropriate levels. Think about the stories that you're teaching your students in religious school, Bible stories, like the stories of Jacob, who summons his family around him to give them blessings on his deathbed, and the story of Joseph and the carrying of his bones through the desert, Midrash, sure, but a story that helps us recognize that talk of death is something we've always had in our rich tradition of storytelling. It often feels like uh, in modern times, we've grown superstitious about talking about death and dying, uh, perhaps like we were about cancer a generation ago. My mother and my grandmother would whisper, did you hear the neighbor has cancer, right? I don't know if that was part of your experience, but now my 17-year-old son might wear pink socks during Breast Cancer Awareness Month because like that's something everyone does. And so it's my opinion that we can do the same thing, this culture change around talking about death and dying in our generation. Not only can we, but we need to. Uh, death used to happen in community, and for the past hundred years or so, it's moved into the hospital and more recently to long-term care facilities. Families don't live in close proximity to grandparents anymore. And it's moved the experience of watching people die out of the common realm. So, you know, we have this opportunity to help people to live lives of greater meaning and connection Jewishly by including and lifting up conversations about death on a regular basis. As for what Judaism in air quotes says, 
uh, we've got this daily meditation on mortality built right into our daily liturgy. And I imagine that you may teach this in certain grades in your religious schools. Each morning, we're encouraged to give thanks just for being alive in the first few words that we utter when we wake up. Thank you, God, for returning my breath, for returning my soul to me, because I'm not exactly sure what happened to it while I was asleep. You were in charge of it. And in the evening, we say the bedtime Shema, it's like a minor enactment of this traditional bedside confession liturgy that we use at the end of life called the Bidui. We say the Shema, this declaration, universal declaration of faith, placing our faith in God, that we might make it through the night. Really, tomorrow is never guaranteed for any of us. The first concept about death is called Kavod Hamet, the respect for the dead. And this includes things like the ideal of Jewish burial taking place as soon as possible after death out of respect for the dead so as not to let the body languish any longer than is necessary and to treat the dead with the highest respect possible. And the second concept is called mate mitzvah, met meaning uh, you know, uh, dead. And the fact is once someone is dead, they can no longer perform their human obligations. And therefore, what were their obligations become our obligations, the community to fulfill in terms of what's needed to return that body to the earth, which is a core concept, a Jewish concept around death. And beyond those concepts, there are a lot of Jewish rituals that are more popularly known, even beyond the Jewish community, like Shiva and Kaddish, which is really about the mourners in large part, the support for the other people after death. So I'm so glad you invited me to this conversation today so we can shift the conversation to what we don't talk about for reasons I mentioned earlier, that time before death. Why do you think it's important for Jews, for living Jews, to understand those concepts about death? Why? Why? So listen, everyone should be having these conversations about death and dying, most especially as we live through this pandemic, right? What's the big fear that we've all had in the pandemic without really being able to name it? It's the fear of death and it's the fear of suffering uh, on our way to death, right? We don't want to contract COVID. We don't want to be uh, in the hospital. We don't want to die without our loved ones present. Um, and there are a lot of tools out there to help adults, the grown-ups, to have these conversations about what's important to us and to communicate them uh, to our loved ones. You can even play a game to help clarify your wishes. There are uh, things called like the death deck and go wish card games. Why Jews in particular, as you asked? Well, our tradition is focused on life, right? Like, you know, that's what we're about. I mean, who doesn't know that Jews say L'chaim when we make a toast, that we're talking about, you know, a long life, or that when we wear the letters Chet and Yud, you know, uh, which spell high life on our jewelry, um, you know, it's, it's a reminder of the value of life in tradition. Jewish wisdom is so rich with stories about long life. When you think about the stories of Abraham and Sarah, right at the beginning of our stories, uh, about the merit of living as long as possible, about taking care of our bodies to enable good health, and so much more. Think about, like, on someone's birthday, uh, it's a Jewish wish to offer them, you know, a blessing that you should live to 120, right? Like, this is a really important thing, Jewishly. At the same time, you know, we're not all going to get there. And even if we do get there, we need to understand the fact that it's going to end at some point. So, one of my favorite Jewish teachings about death, which is really about life, of course, comes from the book of Psalms. It's from Psalm 90. Um, and the words are, Limnot yamenu ken hodav Teach us to 
to number our days, we ask of God, to achieve a deeper level of knowing so that we may merit a heart of understanding. This idea of counting our days, teach us to number our days, is about taking each day that we have as a gift. And in so doing, we might really be able to appreciate that we have just one life. Talking about death and dying Jewishly is talking about life. It's valuing life. The more we can come to terms with the fact that all life is finite, the better we can be at living the life that we're blessed with. What's stopping us from talking more about death? And I mean socially, like why would I be afraid to be the mom at the nursery school drop-off line talking to their kid about death? Um, what's, What's stopping us from doing that? We can't talk about the things that we haven't clarified our own values about, right? So we're afraid to talk about death because we're afraid to talk about life because we're afraid to talk about things like God. Like if I as a parent don't really know what I think about God, how can I possibly answer my child's question about God? Let me just send them to your religious school and you'll take care of it for me, right? And we all know parents, educators, that we can't outsource everything. These conversations are going to come up. Like kids are the experts on death from the time that they start squishing the bugs on the playground. Like they know it better than we do. And so I think that's one of the reasons that we don't talk about it is because we as grownups have moved so far away from that experience of crushing a bug. And now we fear for our own mortality. Like if I have to talk to my kid about death, they might ask, are you going to die? And then what do I do? Am I going to tell my 10-year-old that, well, I've written a will and this is who gets you, God forbid. That's scary stuff. I think that's really why we don't talk about it. It's because we're afraid. We need to reduce the fear and reduce some of the superstition and to normalize it. Like this is a part of life. If we don't talk about it, then I think uh, we're more likely to cause problems for kids around it. I strongly recommend that all these conversations that educators might undertake about death and dying start with the parents first. This partnership between educators and parents will help to support kids who might have a tougher time with some of the concepts, right, and might have stories to share from their own families. And I think it's important for parents in particular to give ourselves a little slack on these conversations with our kids, knowing that there aren't clear answers for so many of the questions that uh, arise when we talk about death with our kids. So like my motto is early and often, I like to say, is how and when we should talk about death with kids to demystify the topic and to remove some of those superstitions. Like talking about death is not gonna make it happen any sooner. So I wanna share with you an anecdote to illustrate the point. I think back to when our now 10 year old was in kindergarten learning the letters of the alphabet and each day there was a new letter. On the day that the kids learned the letter D, you might imagine that there were lots of pictures of dogs and ducks, but our kid, the grandchild of two Holocaust survivors who are no longer alive, came home with a drawing of a stick figure flat on its back. My kid drew a picture of someone dead at five years old because that's what they knew. My kid is named for my kids, Zadie, who survived Auschwitz. And in our family, we talk a lot about Bubby and Zadie, almost daily, about their families, keeping their memories alive, and the memories of our extended family alive. So I think that's a great and powerful anecdote. Nicholas, use your anecdote to think about elementary school age kids to say, if you're the teacher in that classroom, and then one kid writes D for dog, and one kid writes D for dead, and the other kid says, what is that? What's dead? 
what are some useful tools, either as a classroom educator or if your child comes home and asks the question home, that you could really break down that conversation. Four basic concepts about death that I think are important for educators and parents to realize. The first is that death is irreversible. It's permanent. Permanency is a difficult concept for kids, for younger kids, for sure. But if you think about so many of the cartoons, like so much of the media they consume, or even like the games they're playing, like, you know, Mario dies, how many lives do you get in Mario Kart, you know, and like he comes back to life. That's so opposite of reality, right? So this idea of irreversible is an important concept that grownups have to be able to uh, talk about, to distinguish between reality and fantasy. The second is final. All functioning stops with death. Breathing stops, the heart stops beating, the brain stops thinking. Everything that makes something alive stops. And this is the kind of thing, like final, that you can talk about when a kid steps on a bug. Like, that's it. That bug is not moving anymore. The third is that it's inevitable. Death is universal for all living things. Lots of us are scared to go here, right? Because this is where like, oh my God, I don't want to tell them that I'm going to die. I don't want to tell them they're going to die. But in some way, the fact that death is inevitable helps to normalize it, to use your word earlier, Erin, um, and to equalize it. Like, it doesn't matter how much money you have, everyone is terminal. And the fourth is causality, that there's something that causes death. This is a hard concept, especially in the current moment, when there are simply too many unknowns about COVID. But the point is that there are things that we can speak about that cause death, serious illness being one of them, old age being another one of them, that kids understand that there's something that causes death. So can we just quickly workshop some of that language? Like, I'm going to say to you, I'm three, I'm four. What happens when you die? That's a great question. I'm so curious why you're asking it. Spoken like a true rabbi. (laughs) Okay. I'm surprised so you, you didn't say, what do you, what do you think? That's what rabbis say, right? Okay. Why am I asking? Because I heard that Sleeping Beauty was going to die, but then the fairy changed the the spell. So she just went to sleep instead of die. But what does it, what does it mean to die? So, you know, I'm so glad you, you told me that you learned about it from, from Sleeping Beauty. Cause like, sure, she didn't die. She did go to sleep. It, just taking my hat off for a second. The reason I say that is, is parents, educators, we must make a distinction between sleeping and dying, right? Going to sleep forever. Don't say that. That's like, no, because we have to go, you want your kid to go to sleep every night, right? You know, God willing, we're going to wake Desperately, up. Desperately, so, so badly, yeah. every night. Yep. <laughs> You're right. She didn't die and she might have died. And it's a good question what happens when we die. Because none of us have yet died, we don't know exactly what happens. But here's what I do know. When someone dies, when Sleeping Beauty might die, that it's over, that it's the end, that her life has stopped. You know, here's where I think we need to introduce this idea of permanency. Like when we talk about what happened to grandma, her body was old, you know, she had reached the end of her life. She died. We put bodies into the ground to return to the earth, to return to God, if that's your belief. We still talk about her. We still tell stories about her. We even think about her on her birthday, right? We look at pictures of her. And so the idea of grandma, the memories we have, stay alive within us. And what if I were to say, where is she now? Right. So you were at the cemetery with us. And it was a sad day. You saw me crying. And I know you don't see me crying that often. And you saw me pick up the shovel 
and to help to put dirt over the box that grandma's body was in. And so grandma's body was returned to the earth. And so grandma isn't alive anymore. We're not gonna be able to see her. We're not gonna visit with her. We're not gonna eat her chocolate chip cookies anymore. But the idea of grandma's stories, the taste of the chocolate chip cookies, we have a recipe. We can bake her cookies. This love that we had for her, we can still have for her, even though we're not gonna get to hug her anymore. So, you know, there's no hard and fast rules for what do I say at what age exactly. Think about when you buy clothing for your kids, like a 4T in one brand isn't a 4T in another brand doesn't equal your four-year-old size, right? The same holds true here. Toddlers and preschoolers are concrete thinkers, and we need to use precise and clear language because children are absolutists when they're being asked to live with ambiguity. If your um, family is experiencing death um, and you have a toddler or preschooler, it's normal to see regression, acting like a baby. It feels safe for kids to be doing it, and that's how they process uh, those hard feelings. I'm a big advocate for using the words death, dead, and dying with kids as soon as you're talking about that stuff with kids. I'm not a fan of saying passed away, even as I recognize that this is what so many of us were raised with, and it's hard to break that habit. What does it mean to pass away? Unclear, right? It removes the permanency. Elementary school kids understand a little bit better the finality of death. They start to worry about what's going to happen to them, and this is natural. You may see confusing behavior here as well when you were expecting to see sadness, and you're not getting that. Kids might laugh about it. That's okay. We need to allow space for it and to validate the behavior that we see. And, you know, we need to check in with ourselves and our own feelings. If we're feeling sad, say it, name it, and give kids the opportunity to check in with themselves to see if they're feeling that as well. In terms of like what Judaism, I know that's like a big concept, like what Judaism teaches about what happens after you die in terms of like the afterlife. You know, I feel like in more like American Christian culture, there's like heaven and hell. But if either for ourselves or for kids who ask those questions, like what happens after you die? What is sort of the quote unquote Jewish explanation of what happens? The Jewish view of death is that there is an afterlife, that there is something else out there, that it's an opportunity to be closer with God. But we can't really understand concretely what the world to come means. There's an idea this messianic idea, this hope that something's got to be better, that there's going to be a, a, an experience in which all bad things will stop and it will only be good things. Like that's a core part of Jewish belief. Older elementary, tweens and teens, we can introduce these concepts of heaven, of the world to come. And to understand intellectually, how did that concept come to be in Judaism? It's because of the rabbi's own struggles with the idea of death. The rabbis in the Talmud imagined their teachers coming back to them in dreams to say, this is what it was like when I crossed over to the other side, whatever the other side is, because they had no idea what it really meant. And they wanted an answer. So they dreamt up what the rabbis might say to them. Here's where I'll remind us that it's vital for us as grownups to get clear with ourselves about what we believe if we're going to be confident and talking about this with kids. It's an opportunity for us to think about what we might have learned growing up that did or did not work for us uh, and how we think about it now and how we want kids to learn about this hard topic. Here's what I learned when I was a kid. I don't really believe that anymore. What do you think? 
right? And maybe we can do some reading together. And if you're partnered parents, like getting out your differences and coming up with ways that you can agree to talk about this stuff with kids is so important. Be honest. And to know it's okay to say, I don't know. Thank you so much for some of these wise and amazing words. And we're hoping that you will leave us and our educators who are listening with a question. There's a poem called The Summer Day uh, by one of my favorite poets named Mary Oliver, who died in recent years. Uh, And the poem ends with two questions. And it goes like this. Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? that's my question. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? That's the heart of my work, to help folks recognize the opportunity we have to live lives of greater meaning and connection by considering our own mortality. Oh, Jen, what are your takeaways from this conversation? Like always, I'm usually still processing when we get to the end of discussion. But I think some of my takeaways are that the encouragement to talk about death and dying because it will alleviate the fears as opposed to being afraid of it and not talking about it and thinking that will help the fears talk about it and take away some of the mystery and fear will help. And I think what I heard you say, Rabbi, is like to speak, to speak authentically about it, that there, there are some answers there are some things as Jews we say in Judaism that we believe that we think that we say, but also as a parent, as an educator, if we speak authentically to our own children or to children, you know, our students, that is a big part of the conversation. So Erin, love to hear some of your takeaways because you and I have came to this conversation with different, different concepts of how and when to talk about it, death and dying. Melanie, you validated some of my, my own fears and my own concerns. I speak to my son about death and he goes into his nursery school classroom and he says words like dead, death, all of those really extreme words. And and I then, I think as a parent, internalize some of that embarrassment to hear my son speak that way when really it's just as natural to say um, the correct words for your body and and the correct things that are going to happen to your body. And so I I find that to be very validating to to continue um, and, and also to emphasize some of these points that you brought up about death being final and irreversible as as sort of helpful scaffolding to kind of continue our conversations around what we need to understand about death and how it can lead to a celebration of life in a kind of paradoxical but also very authentically Jewish way of living. And I think that's really powerful. So thank you so much. And then you turn into an apple, go back to the ground, and then you... You turn into an apple and go back to the ground? Yeah, and then who eats you? Someone eats you? Ouch, does it hurt? No, because it's an apple. Because you're the apple? Yeah, but but it doesn't hurt because it doesn't have eyes. It doesn't hurt because it doesn't have eyes? Yeah, because your eyes fall out when you die. Because your eyes fall out when you die. Do you feel scared when you think about it? No. We want to hear from you. If you are planning a lesson or there's something that's on your mind, tell us about it. We want this podcast to be useful to you, our fellow educators. 
be sure to subscribe to the Park Avenue Synagogue podcast channel to download and listen to future episodes of How We Talk About. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul.